Welcome to the Health Coach Nation podcast. My name is Haley Rowe. I'm a sales and marketing coach and strategist for health coaches, life coaches, and wellness professionals who want to become a leader in their field by building their online community, rocking their sales process, and finally feeling confident about how they promote themselves and their marketing. On this show, we talk about tips to grow your business, save yourself time, and finally be able to create a sustainable, profitable business. Let's get into it. Today's podcast is brought to you by the Zero to Hero Coach Program. This is my four-month program teaching coaches and online service providers how to grow your online business, book clients consistently, overcome your sales fears, and finally rock your social media visibility. If you struggle to create a sustainable coaching business, this program is for you. Check out HaleyRowe.com and book your free strategy call with my team or myself today. Thank you. Hello, everyone. I'm here today with Harry, and I don't want to mess up the saying of his last name. Is it... like? Duran Duran, like Duran Duran. Duran Duran, okay. <laughs> well, welcome to the show today. We are going to be talking with him. He is an expert when it comes to podcasting, marketing your podcasts. He's had his own podcast for quite a while. And so why don't you fill us in on your background and we'll go from there. Thank you so much for the opportunity, Haley, to share my story with your audience. I think um, one of the best ways to start is to think about all the ways I've been influenced. I, I like to joke around sometimes that for the, the majority of my life, I've been listening to other people's voices. And I remember early on, I was influenced by my father who would play like these um, Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill, like these inspirational, I think they were tapes at the time. So I'm surely dating myself. I may have even, even been vinyl. <laughs> Um, but he would bring us down to the living room and he would play these because he wanted us to like, you know, do better and, and, and have entrepreneurial vision, which I didn't have at the time and sort of wish I had paid more attention to that back then. His dream was for me to like go to college, go to Harvard. Um, unfortunately, that never happened because I, I got an opportunity in the nine, the nine to five world. And when I got my first job, it was sort of like the second voice I was listening to, this new boss that I had. And you know, the moment that you get to wear a suit to work, you think you've made it, right? You're like, okay, I get to, it's nine to five, I'm wearing a suit, so obviously this is the pinnacle. And then once I hit like a six-figure salary, my boss again was like, you realize only like 10% of people ever make it to like six-figure salaries. So I was just feeling like I was on this right path, but there was still like entrepreneurial um, voices inside my head. And so I would leave and come back and try different things. At one point, I dot-com craze 1999 i think if anyone any one of your listeners can remember like pets.com and the craziness around the dot-com craze so i actually left my job cashed out my 401k i took an unpaid position with a, a latino portal startup um to try that out this was like 99 1999 unfortunately that didn't pan out um and so i had to come back to work uh, with my in the nine to five and what I call now my corporate godfather was helping me get a job and, and, and stay in that world. And then the, the next thing I did was around 2001, I, I left to go to Atlanta to work in construction out of all things. So I'm just trying to sort of paint the journey of like, I was trying these different things and trying these other opportunities because I'm like, maybe I can go support that person or maybe I can go help that person. And that was in construction. Like I literally like was climbing scaffolds, had hard hat and was learning how to like read blueprints. Um, and then, but, you know what they say about working with family. I ended up like with my tail between my legs to go back live with my parents at age 34 at traveled back to New York. So I just want to tell that bit of a background story because I know a lot of your listeners and, and maybe you can relate to the fact that you're, I spent a lot of time listening to other people's voices as opposed to not listening to my own about like what it is that I want to do, what, what it is that makes me happy. And so I started working on a mobile app. Um, I'm a huge fan of electronic music, so I created a mobile app called Know Your DJ. And I thought I was going to interview globetrotting DJs at the time. This was now 2012, 2013. I realized how quickly that was that, that was going to be. I went to a conference called New Media Expo in Las Vegas, and I pivoted. I, I saw some other podcasters there, Pat Flynn, Amy Porterfield, um, speaking. And I said, what if I created a show where I interview other podcasters, sort of like Inside the Actor Studio. I don't know if you remember that TV show, but for podcasters. Yeah. And so Podcast Junkies was born, and that's been going strong since 2014, 235 
or so episodes, hour-long interviews, and I use video for the conversation. And then a year into that, I hired a business coach because I realized there was a lot I did not know about digital marketing, about building your own business, about being an entrepreneur. Um, and I paid a business coach to help me. And then a year later, I started Fullcast, which is our done-for-you podcast production agency. Wow, what a ride. So I love that um, the message of following your own voice, and I think that's especially important. Even if you are an entrepreneur, um, I find that listening to other voices is super yeah. helpful, but it can also be if you let it you know, go too far and you just are constantly comparing yourself or thinking you need to do a certain thing a certain way just because you keep hearing that, it can cause you to get distracted. It can cause you to feel confused and overwhelmed. So I think it's really, um, I actually have a old, old song called Don't Need Your Approval. <laughs> and it's about doing what you want to do ultimately. Um, and however, I will say that podcasts, and I love that you're passionate about podcasts too. I, I am so grateful for them. I feel that they've taught me more than any other educational resource I've ever experienced, including college. And I have, because I'm, it's, it's so me. It's like, I, I am an auditory learner. Um, it, I learn best when people are kind of interacting. So something about podcasts, we have something that can make you millions of dollars that can improve your life, that can make you happy, that can teach you pretty much anything you want at our fingertips. And it just blows my mind that more people don't listen to them, take them seriously and implement what they learn from podcasts. So I want to go back to, you had the genius idea to interview podcasters. Um, so tell me a little bit about, and, and, and you said you have a done-for-you podcast agency. What does that mean? So what was interesting, uh, Haley, and, and obviously you have a lot of entrepreneurs listening. Um, I, I didn't know what I didn't know. And uh, I use the I use the example of Narnia, like when, they, when you come out of the closet and you're in this whole new world. And that, that was me, like coming into the digital marketing world. And I started just consuming voraciously all this content and watching a lot of speakers. And I saw someone by the name of um, Jim Rohn and he had this quote and he, Jim Rohn is someone that's inspired and, and taught like Tony Robbins. He's popular in the eighties. He says, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Yeah. And I was like, Whoa, I don't have like an entrepreneurial circle. I had a lot of people, nine to fivers, right? <laughs> you know, and, and no one that can tell me how to build a business. And I started meeting in this group, like people that were building six figure, seven figure businesses. And it was totally blew my mind. And I was like, oh, okay. I just, I felt like I was swimming in the deep end, but I think it was important for me to understand like how to do that. So that's where, uh, and what I was learning from the podcast as well. And I think the power, what I was learning as I was having these interviews with, with established podcasters is that they were, they were all specialists in their specific niche. And but they all had a, a unique voice. And I tell I give the example sometimes like you could give the same show to five different hosts and you'll get five completely different shows, even if it's the same exact topic, because, you know, Haley, you have experience growing up where you live geographically, like your family history, your specific passions, the energy and the th enthusiasm you have, your personality type. Like when you mix all those together, you're going to come up with a show that's going to attract a certain kind of person. And quite honestly, I tell clients this as well, like your show should actually repel people <laughs> as, as quickly as they attract them because you don't want to be vanilla. You want to have your personality shine through and let your passion come through in what you do. And to your point earlier about the power of podcasting, it is an intimate medium. I mean, they're consumed. I'm, I have earbuds on now, and that's how most people consume podcasts. And it's, it sounds a bit cliche, but you are actually speaking into the ear of the person. And I always say that when you're in a podcast conversation, there's three people involved. There's the host, there's the guest, and then there's the listener. And it's really important. I always make the distinction that the listener is singular. Because a lot of podcasters, when they get started, they're like, hey, you guys, I'm so happy you're all listening to me. And we think we're on stage and we're talking to a big room. But in reality, people are consuming it. One person at a time is consuming your podcast. And so you, the listener who's listening to Haley and I speak right now, like I'm speaking to you, like Haley, I know, appreciates you being a listener to her show and you taking the time to listen to this. But this message is directed to you. So just things like that make the medium 
super powerful, super personal. It's why I'm, I'm really passionate about it. Absolutely. I have to go back to a good tip I learned from Paul Momford, who was also a guest on the podcast, where, and I don't follow it because I keep forgetting, but he says, never in your videos and stuff, just say you. It's not you guys. It's not you all. It's somebody on their phone by themselves watching you. And and that's your one audience member. And I also think it helps with the nerves when you think of that one person, your ideal client, who it's met, made for and speaking directly to that person. And you brought up a good point that podcasting can be so intimate because you're literally in somebody's ear teaching them. You're with them on a walk or you're with them while they're cleaning their house or you're with them in their car. And yeah. it's so powerful. So when it comes to um, podcasting and what, what you do, what are some ways like, I think, well, actually, I want to bring up one more point. You said you have your own unique voice. And I work with a lot of coaches and wellness professionals and people who think I'm not unique enough or who wants to listen to me or what do I have to say? Kind of this imposter syndrome. And the truth is, you guys, there's going to be, and you guys, I just did it. Um, the truth is, you little listener, <laughs> yeah, yeah. that there are people who will not jive with somebody who's like, I think about, uh, let's go to the example of um, business people. Okay. There's like Mel Robbins and there's Grant Cardone. Yeah. Mel Robbins doesn't pretend to be like Grant Cardone and hustle, hustle, hustle and talk really fast. And while well, they're not direct competitors, I'm just kind of giving you an example of the spectrum. You just want to amplify who you are. You don't have to turn on this on camera persona where all of a sudden you're loud and you're excited. And you're, if that's not you, if you're like a very calm person, you show up, you bring that on camera. And the people who will resonate with that are meant to be in your audience. So what would you say to people who feel like uh, this imposter syndrome? Like, yeah, okay, you say I have a unique voice, but I feel kind of embarrassed. Imposter syndrome never goes away. I still have it. I've heard Oprah Winfrey talk about still having it. It's something that's going to keep, it's something you just have to work through and understand that every single podcaster does not like the sound of their voice and, the, and their first episode. Like, I don't care if you talk to Pat Flynn or <laughs> you may have, I'm sure you've experienced this. I experienced it, uh, Haley. It's just, you cringe at the sound of like your first recordings. You're just like, oh my God, I'm so awkward. Like, I don't know what I'm saying, but it's just reps and you and your 10th one is gonna sound better than your first. Your 50th is gonna sound better than your 10th, but you have to, over time, find your voice, find a tone. You may mimic other podcasters in the beginning. Uh, if you're doing an interview-based show, you're gonna have your list of questions. I did it as well. And then I realized, like uh, I had an, an interview with John Lee Dumas, I only had half an hour and you know, we started a little late and I was like, there's no way I'm gonna be able to get through these questions. I just wanna talk to him like a real person. And so, you know, for those of you that are feeling imposter syndrome, if I took you out of the podcast context and I said, let's go sit down in the lobby of a, of a hotel or let's go to a bar and just, it's just you and your guest on a stool, you know, just sitting, having a conversation. I imagine you're naturally curious and you just ask questions coming from that place because then you really figure out like the best podcast uh, interviews for me are ones where the host has a genuine curiosity. They let the person talk. Um, they're comfortable with silence. Um, from an editing perspective, you can tell when a podcast host is talking more than their guest because you see the wave file and you're like, oh, okay, like they should probably let the, let the guest talk more. So just lean into your own curiosity in the beginning if you're not feeling comfortable with your voice or, or feeling comfortable that you have anything to say because the questions that you ask a guest, like I said earlier, are gonna be very, very different from five other hosts who have the same guest because they're gonna be things that they're attracted to whether it's travel, whether it's a hobby that they have, or they're like a stamp collector, they're going to mention something. You're going to be like, "Oh, you know, I like that." Like when people mention electronic music or something like that, I I light up because I'm like, I used to be a DJ. I DJ on vinyl, <laughs> so I, I pull that thread. But realize that you know you just have a different life experience, and so just um, in the beginning, you're going to have some things that are going to be a guide for you, like the question, so you have a framework. But don't feel tied to them. Um, and just come at it from a, a place of natural curiosity. And again, the imposter syndrome never goes away, but you have a, an expertise and you have a, something you want to teach. And if you are a coach, I know you mentioned you have um, 
life coaches, wellness coaches here, your training and your experience and your credentials got you to a point where you're at now where you're helping people. And I always say you don't have to like help be everything for everyone. And you're not trying to get people like to the 26 mile of the marathon. Like they literally just need from you the next step. You're, you're trying to get them to the place um, where, where they want to go as far as the next step and, and not the step that you yourself haven't taken. Like you're not going to be able to, to show anyone that. But they just want to know, hey, that place where you're at now, how did you get there? So I think, you know, sometimes the imposter syndrome comes from thinking, I haven't achieved all these great things that all my peers have. And it's fine. And the people that you're helping specifically, they just want to know how you got to where you're at now. And so just it's something that helpful to keep in mind. And that's helpful from creating whether it's podcast content or blog content or your live videos or, or whatever else you're doing on social. You nailed a really good point there when it comes to imposter syndrome coming at it with curiosity rather than thinking it's true. I don't have enough experience. I'm not enough. That's the truth. I've only been doing this for three months. Why not ask yourself, well, what if I could put out one podcast? What if somebody's three steps behind me? What if I can gain confidence by taking action every day? What if like come at it with questions and is this truly, is this really true? Or am I just telling myself something? and looking for evidence as to why it's real, because at the same time you can look for evidence why it doesn't have to be real or why it's not real. So that tip right there is really good. Yeah, and, and I think it's something that you have to be reminded of. Um, there's a post that I shared on LinkedIn recently, the difference between uh, amateurs and professionals. And it's something that I've been coming to and is actually written in 2017. Um, and I'll, I'll share it with you and you can put it in, in the show notes for the listeners. But it's, it's really interesting because, you know, just some of the, I, I pulled up the article real quick, but it says amateurs have a goal, professionals have a process. Um, amateurs don't have any idea what improves the odds of achieving good outcomes. Professionals do. Um, amateurs focus on being right. Professionals focus on getting the best outcome. And so these, these ways of thinking that have been helpful for me, like every morning when I get up and I'm like, do I take that extra step or do I finish my day with that one task or do I just, I'm going to have time tomorrow. I should push it off. And, I'm, and then I ask myself, what would a professional do? And it's been really, really powerful and helpful for me because I want to hold myself to that standard. And for those that are out of their comfort zone and saying, I don't have anything to say, or I don't know what to write. I'm going to challenge you and say, you may just not want to do the work that's involved and realize that there's reps involved. So I would say, what would a professional do? A professional would put out their first draft, even if it's if it's not good, <laughs> you know, or, or record that first episode, even if no one's going to hear it. Because just because you record an audio doesn't mean you're going to publish it. So just find all the things and distinguish whether from those things that where you you're actually making an excuse as to why you're not taking the next step. Yes, I love that. And I think the other thing you pointed out earlier was that if you feel like um, you don't know enough or there's so much more you need to accomplish, it is show it we get so blindsided by not realizing how much that we know that's not common knowledge by our ideal client. Like there are things where I feel like I've said it two million times. I feel like it's common sense. I feel like, you know, doesn't everybody know this? And then I'll share it or somebody will ask a question and I'm like, whoa, like I didn't even realize this training that I had thought I was going to talk about X, Y, and Z. Really all they needed to know was X, that next yeah. step or that thing that I thought was like, they already know this. This is stupid yeah. because we try to be so unique and groundbreaking and like I have to just drop so much knowledge. But the truth is sometimes people need the simple things you learned through an experience. The basics. The basics, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And even if people cringe at your basics, that doesn't mean, I. there's a quote, I can't remember what it is, but it's like common, just because something's common sense doesn't mean it's common practice. So mm. if you are not implementing something, you don't really know it. You might, you're going to keep hearing it, but you're, are you implementing it? So I think um, you brought up a good point there. Now, I want to go back because as somebody on this show who's been an entrepreneur, number one, and number two, had a business coach yourself, 
what were some of the biggest um, aha moments you realized when, with digital marketing that, um, that were huge lessons or really changed the game for you? I think it's, I want to stress the importance of, of having a coach because when I had a coach and I left, I thankfully had a decent salary and I was paying a coach $1,500 a month. Like, and I know for people that are coming into this world, for me, that was sticker shock. Haley, because I was just like, wait, I give you this money. And then I'm like, what are you putting? What are you putting in my hand back? Nothing. But <laughs> so I'm just like, wait a minute. But what I realized, and it was like an aha moment, like I was paying for his intellectual property, for like the training and for the the ability for him to get me somewhere faster. There's an African proverb that says, if you want to go, f uh, go, f uh, yes, farther, go alone. Yesterday. Yeah. That's yeah. Hilarious. And if, if you want to go fast go alone if you want to go far go with the team yes I said that to me yesterday yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's it. it was important and then the other one that i love um uh, I'm, I'm probably butchering this one as well but it says a um an amateur um is ex ex expensive but uh but working with a professional is priceless or, or something something well, like to that effect <laughs> Ago. Yeah, if, yeah. If, if you want it to be expensive, go with an amateur. If you want it to, what was the second half? Get get done or do it right. Do it yeah, right. Do do it it right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, I, I think about um, creating something that helps people out. I think that was an interesting takeaway for me as I was entering the world of digital marketing and this realization that. There's there's four types of tasks. Those you're incompetent at, those you're competent at, those you're excellent at, and then you're genius. And then as I was like developing this offer, I was like, well, incompetent and competent. My coach is like, you know, you get those off your plate as fast as possible. Think of housekeeping, for example, like someone have someone to come and clean your house. The excellent is really interesting because as entrepreneurs, people that have skill sets, professional training, there are things that we do really well, but they're not like your genius. And there's a difference. And so for me, it was like, web design. I could do a little bit of HTML, a little CSS. And then one day I'm on my website, I'm spending hours trying to fix something in the sidebar of a graphic. And I just broke down. I just reached out to a friend of mine. I was like, hey, you're a web guy. Can you fix this? Haley, he fixed it. I think it was like in five minutes. It was ridiculous. Wow. I was just like, ah, that's your genius. That's what you do better than anyone else. And I was like, I got, it just clicked for me. And then I realized, okay, this is the big aha. Like take your annual revenue, break it down and figure out what an, your hourly time is worth. What's an hour of your time worth? And if you could pay someone less than that to do a task, you know, nine times out of 10, you should probably do it because that's, you know, pay a genius to, to do their tasks. And then you focus on your genius. And the genius really, the definition is that one thing that you do almost better than anyone because it's what you were made for, what you're passionate about and your mix of life and ex professional experiences have you just like it's the type of stuff that lights you up when you're doing it. 100%. That's one of the biggest lessons I think I've learned this year is that I really do value my time more now than like, and I do think you need to, you need to calculate your hourly rate. I think that you just shared a really good tip there. And if somebody can do something even in five minutes, that is so worth paying for because they, they're yeah. going to do it your time would be you would have still been working on that graphic for hours and what's interesting is that maybe i paid him for the hour mm -hmm. i wasn't paying him for the hour i was paying him for his 20 years of yes. professional training that got him to the point where he can solve something for me in five minutes, in five minutes which is an important distinction right and well what what you said about paying a coach what are they going to give back to me i think that's such a common outlook and at the same time, though, you really are everything you buy when it's a professional you're working with, you're paying for their insights, you're paying for their 20 years experience, you're paying for them thinking about you and your problems and all that all the time and being able to solve them very quickly. So it's less about the, well, what exactly am I going to get back? It's more yeah. about what's the insight experience, the trial and error they've gone through, et cetera, that I'm going to now be able to benefit from because of that, because of hiring them. Yeah, what's the value in what they're giving you 
And it and it's not really like a, a time for money thing because I know a lot of coaches in the beginning they're like, well, how much should my hourly rate be, and what should I be charging them? And they're really conscious of like, you know, I'm charge. Let's say that I'm charging three hundred dollars an hour or something like that. Well, I got to give them an hour because they're going to feel um, that they're not getting enough return. But your objective should be um, in outcomes. Like, what's the pain point of like your student? Um, whoever you're helping out, like, what is it that they need? They don't need an hour of your time. They need a problem fixed. <laughs> and so uh, the quicker you can diagnose that problem for them and fix it, then they're going to feel like the value was worth it, whatever the time is, whether it's 15 minutes or whether it's a, it's an hour. So I think as, as coaches, it's important to dial in and be really good at diagnosing people's problems and, and learning how to ask the types of questions that say, okay, what were you working with before? What have you tried? What worked? What didn't work? Um, you know, what's your learning style? Um, and where have you failed before? Have you worked with a coach before? And just kind of all these little things to figure out, okay, who am I dealing with and, and, and how do I best get them the solution that they need? Exactly. And at the end of the day, the people who just grow the most in their business are the ones who are bringing the most solutions, value, et cetera, to their audience. It, they're equate, they're equal. The more relevant pro the problems are that you are solving, the more business success you're going to have. So when it comes to um, marketing and digital marketing, when you got into your podcast, what were some ways that, what are some marketing tips you have um, to promote podcasts or whatever somebody's working yeah. on? Yeah. So I, it's really important in some of the guidance we give clients when they're first starting, um, use SEO best practices that people have done from for ages with blogging. Those also apply to podcasts. So even the very, very beginning, like the name of a show, don't get too cute. <laughs> you know, the two guys in the basement podcast or, you know, wine and champagne. Like you see some of these shows and are like, those are fun. But if you're serious about using and leveraging a podcast to grow, to build your authority, uh, to build thought leadership, to actually be an extension of your marketing funnel within your business, when people see and hear the show, they should have an immediate reaction as to whether that's something that can help them or not. Um, and one example I give is my partner is a photographer. She, she's been a photographer for 10 years. She, now she has a program where she coaches other photographers on how they build their business. We help launch our show. It's called Photo Business Help. It's pretty straightforward in what it does. Uh, I have a new client who's started and sold an investment company. Now he's teaching others how to um, handle their investments better. It's called Understanding Investing. <laughs> so, you know, we're just thinking... Um, especially if you're getting started with a million podcasts now in the app plus in the podcast directory, it's even harder to, for people to get noticed and, and to make a, um, a, a name for themselves. Don't be too worried about putting your, your photo on the podcast because no one knows who you are in the beginning. So really put all the attention on what the show is, the name of the show. Um, and in the beginning, like um, as you're starting the promotional aspects, do a buildup. Don't just wait for my show's up. Now I'm going to tell everyone about it. If you are a coach now, if you've been doing any sort of work online, you have a little bit of a community built up, and I would leverage those. Um, I'm I'm reminded of growing. I grew up in New York City, and I'm reminding of like when rap artists would have albums out. They'd have a street team, and they'd just like be plastering like light poles with like <laughs> the album cover, and it's that sort of street team guerrilla marketing mentality. Like early on. If you've got a Facebook group, if you've got a LinkedIn follow, I feel following. If you if you got people on Instagram to follow you, or just your friends and family, you start an email list. Whatever it is, like leave no stone unturned in the beginning and say, "Hey, I'm starting a podcast. Here's a poll. These four names. Which one do you think?" Again, get people talking about it. Hey, I just created a first version of the cover art. What do you think? And as you start to build them, they feel like they're coming along. The journey with you, um, especially if you're coaching already, you probably have you, you have clients that you work with, you have prospects that you work with. Get their feedback early on, and do everything you can to start building up buzz about what it is you're doing. And then the very first episode you record as a uh, as a podcaster is known as episode zero, it, it, otherwise known as your episode trailer. It's a five to ten minute episode, and it's who you are, why you started the show, why the show is important, who it's for, uh, and then if you know what 
some of the early episodes going to be tease out some of that content. If it's going to be some pe- some names that people recognize in your space, tease that out as well. Let people know what the frequency of the show is going to be um, and when they can expect the next the first episode to drop. The reason that episode is important is because Apple needs at least one piece of audio when you submit a show. And uh, once that shows in the Apple directory, you can tell everyone that the show is live. It'll just show up as a podcast trailer, but people can start subscribing. And that's one of the most important metrics for a new podcast is um, Apple doesn't really give away their secret sauce about what what drives the charts. But just from speaking to fellow podcasters and doing this long enough, one of the metrics that is important is number of subscribers within the 24-hour period. So try to move all that attention that you're getting and try to have it focused on one day. Do a listening party. You can do you can, and use these event tools in these platforms, LinkedIn events, Facebook events, like create an event and it's not a physical event. Everyone knows now whenever they see an event invite because of COVID, it's got to be virtual anyway. <laughs> like no one's thinking that you're um, you're doing in-person stuff right now, but just create a listening party. So just use the power of these platforms as much as you can. And then I really like the idea of grabbing a domain name specific for the show. So even if you're going to have... Um, like for example, I'm a partner show, Photo Business Help, photobusinesshelp.com. She was able to get that as well. But look at, add the word podcast. So if you're doing uh, seomarketingpodcast.com, for example, as an example, but also look at the domains.show and .fm. These don't have to be like your final website, but you can also use the redirect, redirect feature of a URL. So what you want to think in mind, Haley, is that when people listen to your show and your URL, it should be super, super clear how to spell it and where to go. Um, John Lee Dumas, famous example, he had entrepreneur on fire when he got started, but then he realized how hard it was to spell entrepreneur (laughs) and people were not getting to the right domain. So he quickly grabbed eofire.com. So just, again, branding 101 best practices, like when people listen, um, and then as you're building those first episodes, be thinking about from day one, where do I want to send people? Because the show shouldn't, it's not an entertainment show. And, and I imagine for most of your listeners, it's um, its something that they want to use as an extension and to build awareness in their business. So send people specifically to, a, uh, I like the idea of a lead magnet. You want to take them away from the podcast and then grab their email. And the easiest way to do that is with a, a lead magnet. Lead magnet should be super simple. I, I imagine your, your listener is very common with this concept, but it's a one-page PDF is the best thing. No one has really has time to read eBooks anymore. I know people are sending eBooks out. I can't tell you how many eBooks I have sitting in my Dropbox folders that I'm going to get to at some point, <laughs> but uh, I, I don't have the time. So a, a, a very effective lead, lead magnet can be consumed within five, five minutes. It's one pager, one page PDF. You can create it in Canva. Um, but what it should do is show that you have authority in the space and then let people take the next step with you. So for me, I tell people about uh, a group coaching program I have called the Dojo, or I just have them book a a 15-minute triage call. And then on that call, I can then see if they're a fit or not. You don't want to book them straight into a sales call because you don't want to get a lot of sales calls for people that may or may not be a fit. So that's why I like the use of a triage call. It's a 10 or 15-minute sort of like a diagnosing call where you're actually seeing if they're a fit for you, not the other way around. So those are some helpful tips. And we can dive deeper on any of those. Absolutely. Yeah, I call them an intro call or goals call, something like that. So I think um, what you said about there was a lot of things in that. First, make sure that when you are putting out a podcast or any launch you're doing whatsoever in your business, this can apply to your coaching programs too. You kind of want to have a trailer, a teaser. And what do we do when a movie's coming out? You put out ads, you put the posters up around, you know, it's on a billboard, you're getting people aware, they go to press conferences and movie premieres, and they're telling people what to expect, what's it about, who's the stars in it, et cetera. And then I love how you said, so so you can do the same thing with your program, set expectations, give teasers, get people excited about it. Then you put out the podcast and you don't, you, you, you do set a date, you want to get those subscribers within the 24 hours. Um, and you also want to set the expectations for the podcast. Tell the audience, okay, this is going to be every Tuesday or, or whatever. Then you keep consistent with putting out new podcasts. And you give calls to action in the podcast to take somebody to the next step with you, which is your lead magnet or a call with you, something like that. 
And one of the things that um, I wanted to ask you a little bit about, so, because I did this so wrong, my first podcast, first of all, my show used to be a whole different name and a whole different concept, yeah. and I haven't deleted, I just changed the name and the title and the cover. <laughs> That's perfect. Uh, yeah. yeah, well. No, it's not. Well, the interesting thing about that, Haley, and, and I just I don't want to discourage people from thinking, well, I may want to change it later. Yeah. It, it is an ideal, but you mm -hmm. you were building up a listenership at that point, and you had people already subscribed to the feed. So there's no point in just saying, oh, now I got to start new feed. Now I got to tell mm -hmm. people about another show. So just educate people and say, hey, yeah. I'm changing gears. It used to be about baking. Now it's about motorcycles. Or just <laughs> you know whatever you <laughs> want to do. Yeah, but it may not be that extreme. But your listener is. I think it's a reminder that they came for you. And I think you may have found this as well. Like you may have changed the topic dramatically, but they were coming for you, Haley, at the end of the day. And and some of those listeners, you know, wanted to just keep hearing from you regardless of what you were talking about. So um, just important to, you don't have to get it right is what I'm saying in the yeah, beginning. And Totally. Well, I'm glad you said that because it's true that I did not promote, I did not have trailers. I put one out. <laughs> She's like, all right, here we go. Had a like a two year hiatus in there. No, just kidding. It was more like six months where I started podcasting. You're like, where, where are my listeners? Where is everybody? I'm here. Bring everyone... I will say 20, I don't know when in 2019, but maybe not. Maybe we'll just be safe and say 2020. I have been the most consistent I've ever been with my podcast. It comes out every Friday and we have good guests and it's been way better this year, but it's all about priorities, right? So anyways, Harry, um, let's go back to talking about guests and, you know, what should somebody do to, once they have the podcast, it's out and they're talking about it every week, how can they really make this a win and something that's yeah. um, doing well on the charts? I really like the idea of planning your content and being strategic about what you want to talk about. When we set up shows for clients, we use a tool called Airtable. It's sort of like Google Sheets, but it's Google Sheets on steroids because it's a relational database and um, it's a free re it's a free tool. Uh, the reason that's important is because you can change different views. You can show a grid view, which is like Google Sheets, or you can switch it to Kanban, which is like Trello, which is nice because then you can just move cards around. And the reason we do that is because we want clients to have a commitment you know, they're typically six month or 12 month engagements, but I want them to like list out the 26 episodes, even if they just have a word or even if they just have a number for now, like literally just thinking about that visual of like where I'm headed, like, you know, because if, um, if you don't know where you're going, you know, how will you know when you get there? <laughs> so you have to really think about like, what, what do I want to think about and talk about? And then you can start to think about themes. I imagine your listener is, very good at teaching their content. So take whatever you have and have that as the pillars of what you can talk about on your podcast. I like to use the accordion methodology. Like if I, I have my six pillars of what we talk about when we launch a show, it's um, plan, position, the beginning parts of a show, then it's promotion and publishing and then profiting. Um, so there's different aspects of that that I talk about depending how much time I have. But if on the PDF, it has all the six pillars. They're just bullet points. If I'm given an hour on a webinar, I can cover those six and I can go through a couple of minutes on each or I'll pick one and deep dive on that. So think about that as you're thinking about building out the content for your show. And then also if you, if you have guests, think about uh, guests that you, you, your objective is to make them look good. I have a mantra that says treat your guests like gold. Like your goal should be to build a lifelong relationship with that person. It may or may not happen. Sometimes they just last an hour, which is the conversation. But I've got friends that I've met on my podcast that I'm still friends with, you know, six years later, because I'm just, I come with that intention of adding value and making them shine and making them sound as good as possible. And then doing as much work as possible once the episode is live to promote it to as many people saying, hey, I had this great guest. And so be really conscious conscious about the content you're creating, but have a plan because if you don't know what you're going to talk about, then you just start rambling. I, I, if you're just teaching content, I like to use the analogy of an espresso shot of content, like maybe 20 or 30 minutes. It should be really like powerful and really like get to the heart of what you're an expert at. And then you could always tell people, if you want to learn more about that topic, then I 
you know, sign up for my course, sign up for my webinar, have them take the next step with you. But just, I think that the major takeaway, Haley, is to be intentional about the content you're creating and, and think about how it fits and, and mapping it out. You may want to do a three-part series on keto if you're a health coach, right? And so take advantage of that and say, okay, and this is, epi- this is part two of our three-part series on keto. In case you missed the last episode, which is part one, you probably want to pause this, go back to that episode and go listen to that because it's important that you listen to these in sequence. So it's important to take people on a journey and remind them. Um, I, I like the idea of open loops and callbacks. So if you think about serialized TV like Game of Thrones, like when they first start, they're like previously on Game of Thrones, you can do the same thing with a podcast. Say, in case you missed last week's episode, I had a great conversation with Haley Rowe. We were deep diving on all things like entrepreneurship and podcasting. Make sure you check that out episode 235 like and then so that's the the callback the open loop is at the end where you tease out the next episode so tune in next week i'm going to have a great conversation with uh oprah winfrey we're going to talk about you know interviewing guests and why that's so great because you never know like someone may like have name recognition or it may be a topic they want to talk about or if you're doing a multi-part series they're going to be like oh i want to listen to the next one so uh that's important so you're always promoting a previous episode and the next episode in every show and then i like this idea of uh, what i call rolling out the welcome mat like every time you you start a show every episode saying hey welcome back if you're new to the show you know what i do for my show podcast junkies i'm like hey it's harry duran welcome back if you're new to the show this is the one where i have fascinating conversations with intriguing podcasters takes a couple of seconds um but it's just you never know when someone's going to find your show or someone was recommended an episode specifically so they may just jump into like midstream your episode 56 randomly (laughs) and just just found an episode because they liked the guest and so never lose sight that you always have new listeners popping in at random times in your in your podcast episodes um and just always always welcome them so just little tips on how you can make sure that you're really conscious conscious about the content you're creating you're not just creating a random episode that's out there like put a lot of intention so you get the most out of it because you're just getting started and you want to get as much exposure as possible yes this really is so good because in the zero to hero coach program which is my small group program we talk about how with your content a lot of people are inspirational, but there's there's no strategy behind it. They're just throwing stuff out there that they feel like talking about that day. And people do, you know, people come to them and say, oh, my God, your content, is, it just makes me happy. It's so motivational. But there's no transformation. Yeah. There's no transaction. There's no next step. And so I think what you said about planning out your, first of all, getting clear from a broad view, what are your pillars? What are the topics that you're going to even bring up on this show and what is not because otherwise your podcast can turn into this thing that's it's so random like yeah. oh, so if it doesn't fall under the category of sales marketing mindset and even mine's a little broad or time management it's not going to be on the show so know your pillars and then make sure you communicate those to your guests so that they know too and can bring see if they're fit for the audience I love the idea of being friends with your podcast friends because, to be honest, the reason why I started my podcast was because I just wanted an excuse to reach out to people who I wanted to talk to. Yeah. (laughs) Right? It's really powerful, Haley, and I think it's something that's not as talked about in the the podcasting circles because the first question people start is like, how can I make money on a podcast and and, and how do I get downloads? And I think they're asking the wrong question because they should think about – uh, how do I build valuable relationships? I like to joke like if you wanted to start get awareness within a certain industry, start a podcast, interview twenty people that you look up to that are either colleagues or people that you aspire to meet or want to have a relationship with, um, and invite them onto the show. Make sure the show is has a name that's attractive to them. One of my friends was an engineer trying to get a new job. I was like, you should start a podcast called Rockstar Engineers and go interview other like engineers in the space. Um, magically, people find time. If you tell people I'm going to pick your brain or I just want to grab coffee, everyone knows that's code for free consulting. So, <laughs> but hey, if you tell them, yeah. <laughs> that's like that phrase. Yeah. So, but if you say, hey Haley, I've got a podcast called. Um, world-changing entrepreneurs is that something you would like to be a part of and you're like yeah you know because it's like a bit of an ego stroke there but it's also you 
valuing their time. And so magically, like, yeah, I, I have time for that. What's funny, this is what's so funny about it, Haley, is like, it's almost the same exact conversation as if you were going to go grab coffee or pick their brain because you're asking them things about how they got to where they got to, but you're doing it in the context of giving them a platform and giving them a stage and elevating them and saying, look, you're an expert, you clearly know what you're doing, and I just want to learn along the way. Um, and it's really powerful. An another great example was uh, something I heard um, is someone had their kid was getting ready to go to college and they started a podcast that was interviewing admissions counselors at universities, which is genius because <laughs> if you're about to go into college and you've interviewed 20 admissions counselors, I imagine some of those are colleges you're actually applying to as well. <laughs> so they'd be like, oh, I recognize the name of that person. That's the person who just, I just had an hour long interview show. So be you know strategic about who you want to uh, build a relationship with, how you want to build yourself up as you don't have to be the authority in the beginning. You just have to be the curator. Like you don't have to be the person who knows all the things about the topic, but you know how to find the people who know the things about the topic. And then you start to be seen as the person who can like that network effect of people that can have conversations with those folks. Yes. And one of the things too, I just want to highlight that you said earlier was making sure that you realize every piece of content you put out there, every interview, et cetera, could be somebody's first impression of you. So yeah. you just reminded me that from now on in the beginning of the show, I need to say what the heck is Health Coach Nation. I mean, I have an intro that says that, but I love the way that you said just one quick sentence, just so that people who are out of the loop and confused know what's going yeah. on. And then I want to also go back to one thing you said really early in the episode, because I, again, I think it, could have it brought some gold. You said that uh, when you go back and listen to your first episode or that first thing you did, you kind of cringe. And oh, yeah. I have to say, I don't know about you, but the way that I measure my progress and my growth and if I'm doing enough as an entrepreneur and putting myself out there enough is like, I should be cringing when I think about what I did last week. Mm. I should be cringing when I think about what yeah. I did, what bold thing I did over the weekend. Like, that's how, to me, rather, rather than running away from that and thinking that's a failure and thinking that's a mess, that's the way you grow and you have a higher tolerance for stuff like that. So um, I just think my challenge, my take-home challenge for everybody listening today is I want, I want you to cringe at what you did last week. I want you to go back to your first episode yes. and cringe. That's good. <laughs> that well, it's good. really important as an entrepreneur and this is something I learned the hard way to be very comfortable with failure and understanding that you are, you're going to fail. And, you know, everyone loves to use the, the example of Thomas Edison, like how many inventions he created and like thousands or something. And only a couple like took off, but be comfortable. It's called failing forward uh, or failing fast. And it's not a, the, 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 the problem is not in the failure. I think the challenge for everyone, um, or the challenge for you listening right now is to get up, to, to dust yourself off as quick as possible. And essentially, like I tried events where I spent $1,000 on Facebook ads, $1,000 on, like nothing happened. And I'm just like, okay, dust myself off. Like that didn't work. What's the next thing I can try? That didn't work. That didn't work. That didn't work. What's next? What's next? And just as an entrepreneur, as a, as a coach, you know, and just have that mindset, which uh, you know, speaks to what you were saying, just, you're going to realize that, you know, perfect is the enemy of done, right? We've heard that so many times, just being comfortable, be comfortable with taking imperfect action and just realizing that, you know, 90% of them may not work, but you have to know what doesn't work before you can figure out what does. Yes. And that brings me to another quote <laughs> from one of my past clients, Jennifer Pressimone, who says, stop trying to chase yesterday mm. and instead start creating your tomorrow. Like learn from it, make peace with it, move yeah. that on. That's what great. is next? So what's your next best choice? What's your next best move? Okay. Harry, uh, you're a DJ. You said you DJ? You DJ? Yes. Okay. I sing in a cover band. I don't oh. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, <laughs> So, who's your favorite artist, real quick? Oh, um, wow! Oh, there's a there's I'm I'm old school DJ. There's a DJ by the name of DJ Sneak. He's out of Chicago, and he plays a lot of like funky house. 
Yeah, and so Derek Carter, DJ Sneak, that Chicago house sound is some of my favorite. When I'm in a mood for dancing, this is one of the things I miss right now is I would go to like a electronic music festivals. I went to a, one in Detroit called Movement nine years in a row. And there's something fun about dancing outside <laughs> with yeah. a DJ that I, I really, really miss. Um, so yeah, those are a, a couple of my favorites. Nice. Okay. Sorry, I had to ask. No, that's okay. Where can people find you online and connect with you? Yeah. Um, before I share that, I'm just going to have one story that came to mind. I, I, if you remember when I said I came back from Atlanta, tail between my legs, went to go live with my parents. I had a ticket to Thailand because I, I bought it when I was in Atlanta. I was like, well, I'm going to go. I don't have a job, but what the heck? I went for New Year's. My friend picked me up. His parents had a house on Koh Samui. We got on a motorcycle. We proceeded to see like he wanted to take me to see these waterfall. So we hiked up to the waterfall. He's on this lookout and he's like, the view from here is amazing. You got to come over here and check it out. So I stepped over to where he was, but I stepped into a stream and I stepped on what must have been the slipperiest rock you can imagine. I went up on the air, landed on my back and proceeded to be carried over the edge of the waterfall. This is happening like in seconds, like everything is happening so fast. And I was like, wow, I'm, I'm about to be carried over the edge of this waterfall. I stuck out my leg on a rock that just happened to be on the side of the bank and stopped myself from going over. My friend is like pale eyes as wide as saucers and he's just like we were both freaked out for like seconds and he pulled me over to the side and i was a bit shaken and i i we got to enjoy the rest of the trip i was there for like another week and you don't realize these things in the moment but when i got back to new york i thought about wow it was so crazy if i would have died with my voice still inside of me and i was just like Whoa. and i was like oh man i so over time, I've been thinking about that, and now I've made it my mission to help uh, like a million people find their voice. And I want everyone, uh, and I want you listening now, to make a decision that you know today is the day that you, you decide that you don't want your voice to die inside of you. And so I wanted to leave your listener with that message because I think it's important, and I and I think we overthink, and we think we have nothing important to say, but I, I really feel like everyone has got a story. Every single person that's listening has got a story. So hopefully that's valuable. If you want to connect with me, um, I've created a that lead magnet that I referred to that we were talking about with Haley earlier, best practice. You can head on over to fullcast.co forward slash Haley. And it's a, a, a link there and it'll, and it'll download the ultimate podcast launch game plan, the six pillars needed to successfully launch your show. Um, active on LinkedIn daily. So if you want to connect with me, it's Harry Duran, podcast, podcast strategist on LinkedIn. Helpful tip if you're trying to build some business-to-business relationships on LinkedIn. I actually changed my last name, so it says Duran Podcast Strategist. So when I connect with people, I don't have to mention that I do podcasting. They just see it in my name, and I can just have a, a conversation with them. So that, that's a helpful uh, networking tip. I'm going to do that today. <laughs> and, and then uh, Harry Duran FC on Instagram and Twitter as well. Great. Thank you so much, Harry. We appreciate you coming on the show. And I appreciate you letting me share your story with your audience, Haley. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. And if you liked it and want to reserve your very own free sales audit, go to HaleyRowe.com slash strategy hyphen call to book your very own free sales audit. On the call, we'll talk more about the common concerns you get from your ideal clients, how to overcome those concerns, how to coach through objections, how to change your mindset around sales and improve your sales process so you can be closing and converting more clients. I can't wait to connect with you and go to HaleyRowe.com slash strategy hyphen call to take the first step. Thanks so much. Have a good day.